Welcome to Unpacking the Bible with Gordon Harris and Jonathan Clark. This is our final episode in this series as we look at the beginnings of Jesus' ministry. And so today, Gordon, we are going to be talking about the calling of the first disciples. Love it. It's quite exciting, isn't it, really? It is. Yes. Um, Well, this gets mentioned in all the gospel accounts, uh, but I think... uh, We'll start by contrasting uh, a couple of accounts. We're going to dive right in. Um, let's go to Matthew 4, if we may. Uh, starting at verse 18, it says, Now as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately... They left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Well, I'm going to, right away, Gordon, I'm going to contrast that to, uh, to the Gospel of John, which, by the way, we call them the synoptic gospels don't we matthew mark luke matthew yes. mark luke what do we call john john <laughs> john is the other synoptic same view right john so synoptic is, is the other the same view. view okay yeah. synoptic right. means the same view yeah. and so john often provides us with a bit of a different angle uh, that's right. and he certainly does here as it describes it it says uh, again, the next day, John, and it's talking about the Baptist rather than the disciple. John the Baptist was standing with his two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned to them, saw them following, and said to them, What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you'll see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. Uh, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John, and you shall be called Cephas, which is Peter. This is fascinating. So first off, Gordon, I'm going to hit you right away with um, the difference in these stories. They are are different. Yes. Uh, So we have Matthew, Mark, um, they're fishing, the disciples are fishing. And in John, though, John the Baptist reveals Jesus as the Lamb of God. And it says they turn and follow him. Um, so I'm aware we've, we've had this conversation before. We're not trying to read these like a scientific report. Um, and so any of these discrepancies in stories shouldn't put us in a panic. Um, but there is significance, perhaps, to the yeah. differences in this narrative. So... Yeah. Unpack that for us, if you would. <laughs> I think when you come to such uh, diversity, you, you can't help but your mind is saying, now, how, how does that happen? Are they, are they lying? Are they, are, you know, are they making stuff up or whatever? But um, it, is, it is outstanding when John, something totally different than Matthew and, you know, Matthew and Mark are kind of like, we're sticking together on this. We're going to stay with the same story. We're, we're mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> that's it. That, I'm sticking to this one. Uh, Luke is quite interesting because it unpacks a bunch. So, uh, I mean, you know, just in general, I think you have to think about the fact that no eyewitness ever 
tells the same story the same way. Yes. And in fact, I, th I think they say if, if people's story is exactly the same, maybe there's some collusion going on. So, right. Uh, I mean, even me and my wife will tell you different stories yeah. about how we met. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> exactly right. Some of the features will be similar, but yeah, yeah there's a quite yeah, different. Right. And, um, you know, and again, you tell less or more detail, stressing certain things or not certain things, depending on what the context is. Mm. So, uh, you know, that can account for some of it. But I, but I think uh, what I realized as I went along was that, that John's account is really just an initial encounter with Jesus. Uh, so John, you know, again, John's disciples... Or with him, and they hear him saying, "You know, he's the sent Lamb of God," and uh, and of course, John's been pointing forward. So they 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 search this out, and 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 when you think about it, they're in Judea, which is where John's been baptizing everybody. Mm. So Jesus has obviously just gotten baptized, or he's just come back from his days in the desert. And then the next uh, set of disciples. So the first two are kind of, I think it's Andrew and Peter, and then you you go on. And that happens in Galilee. So they actually follow him to Galilee, and that puts them in the right place for what happens in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So, uh, so in Galilee, uh, it's either Jesus, I think it normally we assume it's Jesus, but it, it could be Andrew, more likely, uh, finds Philip, and Philip then, of course, finds Nathaniel. And there's a there's a derogatory statement about Nazareth. You know, <laughs> any good thing come out of Nazareth? Come on, man. Um, but of course, Philip is is uh, is convinced. Um, but th there's no indication that at this time, even though they they have this exalted language, that they actually become disciples. They 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 seem to become associated with Jesus, but they're still working. Okay, they're still working. You know, they go to Peter's house for lunch. You know, Jesus heals his his mother-in-law from a fever, and so they they're hanging around him. Um, but but you know this this idea of abiding and follow me, uh, you know, that's used. It probably has a double nuance. You know, one one part is you know hang out, hang out with me, but but then there's that other side of it, which is you know be my disciples, have have a have a a life with me. So. Uh, you know, it makes sense. They're they're hanging out with Jesus, observing him, trying to you know hear what he says. Mm. So he goes to their house for lunch, um, you know, and then that makes sense. Uh, you know, in, in some ways, it doesn't make sense the way Matthew, the way Matthew and Mark presented it. There's an abrupt abruptness sure. immediately, sure. and they do that because there's a point that they're trying to to bring about. Jesus finally makes the call, and there's no waffling. They go, uh, so that you know they're trying to do that. But in a kind of a broader, uh, normal sense, you know, if somebody you didn't know walked in here and said, "Hey, drop drop what you're doing, and and." come and become a plumber with me. Yes. You'd say I don't know you. Sure. I don't have a and I'm not doing that. I have yeah. some other responsibilities. So it makes sense that they knew him and they'd been in the in the you know, they'd been in the atmosphere with him for a while and then he finally makes up this that statement. Yeah, it's funny the stuff that isn't included sometimes you just assume that none of it happens, but but thinking about it that that that, that would make sense, wouldn't it? Yeah. They they're following what he's doing. Wow, really love that guy. He's uh I think this guy is, don't know quite who he is, but he's got something about him. Yeah, yeah. 
and then he says, follow me. You know, um, you know, just to talk about Luke for a second, I do love Luke. Mm. Luke's passage unpacks, you know, what's happening. And of course, John is aware of, I, I'm sure John is aware of what Luke wrote, because, uh, you know, Luke, or excuse me, John in chapter 21, you know, in the post-resurrection, when they've gone back to fishing, and Jesus, you know, you know, basically pulls them, cast their nets over, and they haul in this great load of fish. The language is different, mm-hmm. but the concept it is the same. And they automatically know who this is, yeah. because they've experienced this with him before, yeah. a la Luke, gotcha. account, right? That, okay. And so they jump out of the boat. So and just John clarify, knows about that, it. That Luke passage is, is where Jesus calls the disciples by calling to them as they're fishing and saying, hey, guys. Yeah. Uh, well, he goes out in the boat with them, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. And then when they get, when they haul in those, I think, all the fish, and then they, you know, then he says, you know, come be fishers. Do not fear. From now on, you'll be catching men. That's right. Wow. Um, let's touch back on John's account. Very interesting that it says John was standing with two of his disciples, and they they kind of get... Um, Lord away now I guess it's interesting because John the the writer of John takes great pains to describe how John the Baptist says to all around him this is a greater man than me and it's interesting because the disciples follow suit they follow the greater yeah, yeah. it's quite interesting isn't it yeah when you when you I mean when you when you think about John you know, your first impression is he's this fiery preacher in the wilderness, kind of a rough-looking guy in his rough clothes, and yeah. you know, and, and he's he's very strong in his preaching message. But then, you know, you have these moments, you know, later on, of course, um, where John talks about, you know, he must become greater and I must mm-hmm. become less, mm-hmm. and then and then here it's it's just clear that he's. He understands himself in the in the synoptics. I don't think it says this, but in in the Gospel of John, John records that that the Baptist uh, recognizes, "I am actually the fulfillment of Isaiah forty, right. verse three. You know, uh, I'm the one preparing the way, yeah. and the and, there, and the one who's coming is so great that I I I don't I don't even deserve to take his sandals off, right? Uh, so so there there is a there seems to be this consistency that John. Is call is calling people and is at pains to say there's another one coming, and this is the one you're to be looking for. And so this language of I think you know look there's a lamb of God. It's the one that I knew you know uh, I've been told the spirit comes down and rests on. He's the one. Yeah. Uh, he he. It seems like from all these things he understands his place and he's quite clear with his disciples about his place and a, of you know, there's one coming. Yeah. So. I mean, clearly not all the disciples, his disciples left, but uh, but these ones here, they, they I think that I think it just speaks to his effectiveness and his open-handedness yeah. that he would prepare such a way that some of the disciples would easily go right and follow Jesus. Sure, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Why do you think John himself didn't go with Jesus and ally himself and become a wow, disciple? That's a great question. I wonder if there was. Uh, I mean, I suppose there could be all kinds of reasons, but maybe there was this sense of uh, his ministry wasn't done yet, or ah. uh, he wasn't—he wasn't really allowed to to shift gears and 
go. And and when you think about it, Jesus at the beginning, Jesus wasn't doing anything. Yeah, he'd gone off to the desert. Yeah, comes back, doesn't really do much. Goes north to Nazareth. Well, what is there to follow at this point? He's not doing anything. Yeah, even I know he's the man. So uh, maybe it's just that sense of uh, there's nothing happening here, and I'm not supposed to leave my yeah. my place. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, we know he's under the influence of the Holy Spirit and the leading, isn't yeah, he? So, yeah. Yeah. It was a great question. Hmm. We'll have to ask when we get there. Yes. <laughs> Dear John. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Why did you? Um, let's carry on with John. Um, I, was, I would say John is the advanced man for the main attraction. Uh, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> the warm-up act. Prepare things, make sure everything's yeah, going well. Perfect. Um. It says that Andrew recognizes Jesus as the Messiah and he goes to his brother and he says, hey, I found the, the Messiah. Yeah. Um, so that's probably, is that, that's probably from John's description of him being the Lamb of God, I assume? I, I guess. The, the, I think there's a bit of confusion as to, you know, Lamb of God, Messiah, um, what are some of the other terms? Uh, you know, are they all kind of the same figure? Sure. We, we all know they are now. Can we pause then and just look back? So we've got the Psalms, we've got Daniel, and we've got Isaiah as uh, precursors, yeah. Messiah yeah. imagery. Yeah. And in the Psalms, we get a Lord who will be raised up. Yeah, a king. A king. Yeah. 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 In Isaiah, in Isaiah, you have the suffering servant. Isaiah, the suffering servant. That's right. Uh, Led like a lamb to the slaughter, I guess. Is that where that comes from? Uh, perhaps, yeah. Um, but then you, like you said, in, in the Psalms, and of course, the whole trajectory of the Davidic king issue yeah. through Samuel and Kings is there's going to be a, a Davidic, another Davidic king yeah. will come. Yeah. Uh, and in Daniel, we get the imagery of a Messiah, the Son of Man, being that's right raised up, that's ruling right. over nations, yeah, and kind of fulfilling the Abrahamic covenant that Israel will be a leading nation right. among yeah. nations. So you have some different kind of... So it's, diff- it's quite varied imagery, yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, le- uh, uh, you know, terminology is different and some of the nuances are different. Uh, and of course, they, you know, they, they, at least it seems that they didn't really understand anything about the suffering part of it. Okay. They, they mostly connected uh, seemingly with this idea that, that he would be a a king that would overthrow the political systems. Okay. That made the most sense to yeah. them, I think. Yeah, yeah, sure. So then with uh, with John calling him uh, the lamb, behold the lamb of God, um, does a lamb mean anything else than a sacrifice to a Jewish mind? Yeah, that's a great question. The lamb of God. What, yeah. what does that mean, the lamb of God? Uh, you know, the most that I, I... The way that I understand this is... You know, of course, you have lambs as part of the whole sacrificial system. Yeah, uh, they weren't always the ones that were sacrificed, but but sometimes they there were. Some lucky lambs. The lucky, the unlucky <laughs> lambs. Uh, they didn't feel sheepish later on. But um, <laughs> sorry about that. That was bad. The um, but but then I think that I think the biggest uh, part of it is going to be from the uh, you know the. You know the Paschal Lamb, basically from Passover. Yes. That idea that um, there's a, you know, something slain, and yet the rescue comes through that. Yeah. You know, death comes to the firstborn, but we, 
escaped under that blood and yeah you know so i don't know that they fully understood at the moment when john is saying look the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world they kind of i think they would have gotten some imagery of oh yeah you know the whole sacrifice for sin idea uh but it would have probably evoked this as well right uh, only later would it really have resonated. Oh, we get that. Yeah. And you know, um, I, 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 I do love this, but that, that language that the Catholics have taken, probably others, but Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I love that. And, yeah. and you know, anytime I've been in a, a Catholic church and I've, you know, heard that in the liturgy, I've just been like, oh, this is, this is fantastic. Yeah. It just, yeah. it just has a, a, you know, conceptually, it's beautiful. But it also has a kind of ring and dignity to it. Right. Um, yeah. Agnes Day. Agnes Day. <laughs> Lamb of God. Very cool. There's a lot of this that you feel like if you were there, you'd, you'd hear these prophetic words being spoken. You're like, wow. Yeah. What does it mean? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Where was that? It was what somewhere it in, uh, I think, Isaiah. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, what does, well, well, that's true, isn't it? I think you know you 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 know you do have prophetic these prophetic th- things that are spoken, and and at the time, maybe they they don't feel quite as uh, weighty yep. as they really are, and later on you realize the significance of it. Totally. Yeah. Now that I can apply to my own life and own prophetic words. Yeah. Well, you have moments with God that feel. Like like a flash, yeah. Very impactful, but like a flash, yeah. And then later on, what he said to you just rings round and yeah. round and round in your head, and then the weight of it grows, right? Yeah, that's right. That's cool. Uh, let's let's bounce back. Um, let's bounce back to Luke, um, and Jesus is in the boat with them. Helps them to catch a rather enormous catch of fish. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Which. You know, I think in our image, we were like, oh, they went fishing. Good for them, unless you're a fisherman and you think about it and you're like, money, money, money. Yeah. That was a, that was a great day for them. That's right. <laughs> um, but he says to them, um, do not fear from now and you'll be catching men. Uh, fishes of men. That, oh, that, I think now we look back and we're like, ah, oh, yes, like evangelists. That's you know, right. Winning people, catching them in the net of... yeah. The word of God and what what would they have thought at the time? Do you think? I don't. I mean, I don't think. I, you know, in some ways they would have probably thought similarly, but I don't know that the evangelism quite connotation that we have would have. It's possible that that this is a bit of an allusion to Jeremiah sixteen sixteen, mm. and um, Jeremiah sixteen. You know, God is basically saying to his people, "You you have been so unfaithful." that you're going into exile. And then it gets to verse 15, and there's a sudden flip. And, uh, and, and he basically says, the days are coming when he will restore the people to the land. Oh, yay, all this bad news, but we're going to come back. And then it does a total about flip again. And it says in 16, for, uh, but now I'm going to send for many fishermen and they will catch them. And after wow. that, I will send for many hunters, and they will hunt them down in the mountains and hills and from the crevices and the rocks. And basically, I'm, I'm going to take them into exile. Okay, so the fishermen are not a great... 
No, <laughs> but but I think uh, it's possible that by using that language, and it's only a possibility by using that language, he's he's really saying you, now now it's different. The right. fishermen uh, are going to end the exile. Right. The fishermen initiated you going into exile, but now you're getting out of exile because right. there are I, I, many um, people talk about the fact that Israel did come back to the land, but it never really felt like they were. In some ways, they were still in exile because things weren't right. Right, they were ruled by other people. Right? That's right, and and injustice was pretty rampant, and you know people were really poor and they had no self government. So, yeah. um, but I think aside from that possibility, Jesus is being um, um, very humorous and clever and poetic. Yes, you know because you can see it in English, but uh, even in Greek, you know, it says, "Well." Uh, for they were talking about the disciples. They were fishers, essentially fishers. And he said, "In the following meal, make you fishers of men." Right. So it, you know, it's it's kind of um, I don't know if you call it poetic exactly, but it has yeah, a kind yeah, of ring. Some, some I'm doing a little wordplay word play yeah. here. Yeah. You know, so I, I I I love that sort of creativity that Jesus. Yeah, that's has cool. This, yeah. I love. I never uh, seen that Jeremiah uh, link. But that's really cool because, um, I don't know, that's like a, a divinely inspired fishing, right? Yes. And, and, and I'm not, you know, I'm not saying 100% that that's where it comes from. Sure. You know, it's a, a kind of a bit obscure in a sense, yeah. but, um, but it may be that that's what's happening. Yeah. One thing that I think about, though, is um, the more I learn about, um, you know, rabbis and, and, and Jews who take their faith seriously... Mm. They eat, sleep, and breathe the word. So the idea that some kind of cross-reference didn't cross their mind when they say something, that feels more uh, alien, right? Yeah. The, the, the concept that they wouldn't have known that they were referencing something else if yeah. they said it. And, and, and they, uh, they often, uh, I forget who says this exactly, it might be Richard Hayes, but, um, but there's a sense in which in the New Testament... There's always slash often uh, a biblical story or reference that is being played out in the background, mm. in the language, in the imagery, etc. Mm. Um, you know, I am the true vine. What are we talking about there? Well, we're talking about Isaiah chapter five, probably. I thought that was something. a word play when he said, "I am divine." <laughs> Ooh, that was really good. <laughs> More Jonathan. The Moore. puns are terrible tonight. Yeah. Well, they uh, they had a lot of puns. I'm not. I'm not oh, so yeah. sure about in the New Testament. Yeah. In the Old Testament, you run across word plays and puns all the time. Amazing. Yeah. We're Even gonna, in serious situations, we're going to have do. to do uh, an episode on that. Yes, that would be fun. <laughs> you can teach us all Hebrew. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um. Very cool. What would it meant for these guys to practically be- become disciples? From my understanding, they it, it's a very devoted kind of thing, and we obviously read. Uh, you know, as we read on the story, they're following him about everywhere. Yeah. Um, would lots of rabbis have had disciples? And yeah, yeah. What would it, what, what would it so. mean for their lives? Because they were, you know, fishermen and tax collector and yeah, whatever else they were. Could they carry on doing that stuff? What would? Yeah. If if the uh, you know a lot of the rabbis didn't really travel around much, mm. I, I would I would guess they would have been in their hometown or in Jerusalem or something like that. And if that was the case, then you know you could. I don't know if you could sleep at home, uh, you know, come into work every day, 
but uh, but probably it was more likely that you'd have a more settled life. Here it looks, but but of course, if you had traveling people, not just Jewish rabbis, but any kind of teacher in the Greek world, you would have had. Um, again, if he was stuck in one place, you you could come and go probably, but you, um, you know, if they traveled, you had to go with them, right? Because that was that was what it was about. So here at the beginning, sort of at the story, uh, the disciples are well. They're obviously they're still fishing. Yeah. Before he actually calls them, so they're associated. Uh, they're they're still doing their job. Can we intimate from that then that whilst they were Andrew was a disciple of John, he was still fishing at that point? Uh, you know that's a great question. Except for the fact that Andrew is in Judea, so south. Right. So he you know he and his brother are probably, you know, they've taken a leave of absence, right? I suppose. Or maybe they just said, Dad, we're, you know, we're, we're out of here. We're, yeah. we're going down to do this thing. Yeah. Um, but once Jesus calls them, you know, that's, that, that's it. it. And there's no indication until you get to John 21, post, post-crucifixion, that they pick up this, um, you know, the, the, the job again. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's kind of a, if you think about Jesus, several times people try to become disciples, and if you remember, he says, uh, you know, one point, foxes have holes, yeah. birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay yeah. his head. In other words, you have to be prepared. If you're following me, we're, we're moving around a lot. Right. You know, the bad hotels. Uh, so does it, well, not really. But, <laughs> and then, you know, with the one who wants to go and bury his father, whatever that means, He's like, well, leave the dead to bury the dead. You just follow me. So Jesus is very demanding about it. Yeah, you know, don't bother being a disciple if you're not going to keep up with us because we, we're we're traveling around. Um, but it's worth noting that um, that Mar- Mark adds this really insightful little line, and he says that when uh, when they followed Jesus, they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. So in other words, they didn't just say dissolve the business. Yeah, they just took that whatever that what do we want to call it leave of absence, yes. or and the business went on, um, which tells you uh, as 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 much as we sometimes think of them as being poor, those few are probably not poor. Right. Now they're not rich. There are very few rich people, but you know would they have been middle class? Maybe as much as you could be a middle class person, you know, because because they you know they didn't just have one. From this, it's clear you don't just have one little boat and you go out with your fishing. You know, you have big nets. Yep. You have multiple men in a boat. Yeah. And there's more than one boat. Right. So they own equipment. Yeah. And and it's large equipment. It's a big investment, and they actually have to hire people because yeah. it's more than just a family business. It's it's you know it has more people to it. So. Uh, I think that you know that family, at least uh, Zebedee, and that family and uh, relatives are as well off, well off as you could be without being rich. I would yeah. say. Yeah. Um, again, I don't know if middle class is quite the right the right sure. term, but they're not poor. Yeah. Is basically, the yeah. idea. Yeah. And as they're following Jesus around, I'm just trying to get my head um, imagining life as a disciple. So. You, you're, you're ready to follow Jesus round. Uh, I mean, these days people say they love their favorite speaker and so they listen to the podcast and they watch them on YouTube and stuff. But 
we don't have access to any any media. So the only source. Well, no, I should backtrack slightly. We we do have written Torah and prophets. Yes. But that would only be in a synagogue, would it not? Mostly, yeah. Right. Yeah, because it was hard to produce those things and you had to be very careful and Yeah. So so I guess really the primary thing is Jesus is interpreting scripture to them and yeah. teaching them they're li- and they're just hanging on his word and that's their only pretty much yeah source. Yeah. Well, they would have grown up, of course, going to synagogue. Yeah. So they, you know, would have assume, you know, we assumed that. Yes, yeah. So they they would have learned some things yeah. as much as any normal Jew did yeah. who wasn't uh, in I want to say rabbinic school, but in some sort of scribal school or yeah, you know, or had a tutor or something. Yeah. So, yeah, they would have had a sort of regular regulation of things. Yeah. But now they're getting Jesus's mm-hmm. spin on everything. That's right. How I would love to be in those classes. Oh yeah. I mean, to follow him around. And yeah. I'm just, you know, I'm contemplating this in a sense as well. I was, I don't know what challenged me the other day, but, you know, the, there's books mm-hmm. and books are great and podcasts and videos. And I think those things are a great advantage for us. But I, you know, I was thinking, well, who, you know, who do I want to be most like? And, um, you know, there is, there is somebody, but lives in California. Right. You know, and I'm thinking, you know, he's, He's in his seventies, mm-hmm. dude. Maybe, maybe I just need to. I don't not say go and hang out. I have responsibilities sure. here, but but take maybe I need to, I need to take at least a week and go <laughs> yeah. and you know yeah. uh, hang out if this is the person I really want to model my life kind of on. Yeah, you know, yeah. obviously Jesus, but yes. uh, in in the flesh, uh, you know, there is something about being with the person. Uh, that that it's just different, you know, because it goes. I think it goes back. There's yeah, waxing elephants here, but uh, you know that what they say is that eighty percent or something. That maybe it's more than ninety percent of what you learn is that what's called tacit learning. So it's 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 not obvious. It's not uh, intentional. It's just there, right. and you don't even know that you're doing it. And so, and it's just, it's just that sort of unconscious. I'm with someone, or I'm observing something. The caught factor. Yeah, and and you, yeah, that's right. The caught factor. And if that's right, then being around Jesus was much more than just the sermons. Yes, it was the way he moved, the way he interacted with people, and handled difficult situations, and uh, and at a, even at an, an unconscious level, uh, that would have been impressing themselves on the disciples. Yeah. So, wow. We have the Holy Spirit. So, we do. Yeah. yeah. Now, go on. That, that is an amazing point. That is an amazing point because I was just sitting there, I think, kind of like feeling sorry for myself. Like, man, <laughs> they, <laughs> just 12 guys. That seems a little unfair, but you yeah. are absolutely right. We have the Holy Spirit in us. Yeah. And, G- you know, Jesus said, um, I haven't thought about this till this moment. So, forgive me if it goes somewhere uh, awry. But, you know, Jesus. You know, kept saying, "I only do what my I see my father doing and hear my father saying." Well, how does that, how does that how does that happen? Well, part of it at least has to happen through the Holy Spirit. Yeah, the worship of the Holy Spirit. That thing is from God. This is what He wants you to do. Wow, we have the same thing, really. Yeah, whether we've cultivated that level of intimacy with the Holy Spirit or not, but yes, we, we 
potentially have that. Yes. Oh, just amazing. Thank <laughs> you, Holy Spirit. Um, okay, one, one final question, and then I think we should go back and pray for the uh, Holy Spirit to be discipling us. <laughs> yeah. Um, we get 12 disciples in total, um, and it, it's just a number that comes up and yeah. again and again. We get 12 tribes. We have 12 elders in Revelation. So the bookends are, <laughs> are there. And, and these 12 disciples, which I know are commonly used to describe the 12 tribes of Israel, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, but what's, what's, the, what's, the, what's the deep meaning behind 12? Why did God pick that number? Uh, I think I think it goes back. It, you know, essentially, you know, the context has the most meaning, I think. And so you do have t- the 12 tribes or the 12 sons of Jacob yeah. who constitute the new nation. And that kind of gets juggled around a little bit and becomes the 12 tribes. So, you know, in a sense, probably Jesus is saying, you know, there's kind of not a new Israel really, but there's kind of a new, uh, a new formative nation-ish. I don't know exactly uh, how that works, but the imagery would have been more than the intellectual words, I suppose. Right. Um, but you know, if I was to throw if I was to throw a monkey wrench into into that that um, <laughs> that thing I just said, uh, you know, twelve is also a number that pops up earlier in Genesis than it does the twelve tribes. Okay. So uh, on the one hand, um, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and their their friends were all under the king uh, Keterlaomer for 12 years. Okay. Oh. <laughs> and, um, and then, you know, when the, the two times when um, uh, it's Ishmael, so he's promised to uh, produce 12 princes in his line that will make his nation great, which is, in a, is very similar to, wow. you know, what's said about um, uh, Isaac. So, you know, and, and let's face it, from a practical level, uh, 12 is about the ideal number for a small group. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can pack 15 in, but, you know, the number of crosstalk is, yeah. comes too much. So, you know, from, from a both a symbolic, I think a symbolic yeah. uh, number, yeah. but also from a practical sense, you, you can't juggle too many relationships. Sure, sure. You know, even in even in a family, yeah, yeah. You know, you can you you can only, you know, if you have eighteen siblings, well, you you've lost you. That's awesome, yeah. But you've lost something, yeah. You probably lost your wife and childbirth. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> uh, you know, twelve. Well, that's a lot, but um, but it's still, you know, you can see twelve around the table. Yeah, yeah. If it's a big table, that's good. I but like not you seventeen. Gave, I like you gave a symbolic answer and a practical answer. Yeah, that's excellent. Uh, well, Gordon, I think we should pray just into this area of um, discipleship. You and I have a great love for this whole concept, um, but I'm aware that these guys said yes to following Jesus, mm. and we've said yes to following Jesus, and we do have the Holy Spirit guiding us. So yeah. let's just pray into that. Sure. For a so, Lord... Uh we, I think we we feel um, envious sometimes that we are not able to be one of the twelve with Jesus uh, when He walked on the earth. But 
Um, but we still get to be disciples of Jesus, and we still uh, we still get the Holy Spirit to to talk to us and to reveal things to us and to be that counselor, uh, just like Jesus uh, was inside of us. And we we want to say yes, like those disciples did, and we want to um, be good disciples. We want to uh, drop everything that's in the road and to just follow uh, you. And um, so we, we just really ask that you, uh, that you come and that you inspire us as we, you know, just like those disciples got to know Jesus and then he called them and they went, uh, that, that we will, our relationship will deepen and that our discipleship, our, our, our apprenticeship, uh, our learnership will, will deepen and that we become more and more like, uh, like Jesus. And, um, you know, just like the disciples had a lot of things to learn and they made a lot of stupid mistakes. Uh, we we're also we also have a lot to learn, and we also make a lot of stupid mistakes. And uh, all we can ask is for your grace and um, that you bring us along uh, with the care that you that you brought them along with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jesus, we ask that um, the same very tangible way that you spoke to your disciples and put your arms around them. We ask that. Uh, that you by your Holy Spirit would be doing that with us, that we would feel just down to the most practical level, just feel nudged and moved along by you as you're, as you're making us more into your likeness. We love you so much. Mm. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us on Unpacking the Bible. We will be back soon. See you then. <laughs>